Welcome to Shedding Light Hunting Stories Podcast, the podcast dedicated to the average Joe and their hunting stories. I'm your host, Travis Williams. You're listening to episode 12. guys and girls, welcome to Shutting Light Hunting Stories Podcast, powered to you by uh, Diet Coke today, because that's that's what I'm drinking. I've uh, been thinking a lot about turkey season coming up here on the horizon that comes in here April the 22nd. Uh, so I got my anniversary weekend, like right before then, and then that Monday, uh, I have Mondays off, I'll go out and, and chase some turkeys. So making some plans for that. It's a lot, got a lot of time between now and then, so um, been killing time by going over to an indoor 3D archery range and uh, having a blast here in Belpre. There's a little place called Hendershot's Performance and Bow, and so they got an ATV shop on one side, and on the other shop, on the other side, they got this uh, awesome archery range and bow shop and some real nice guys over there. So they got these targets set out uh, between 10 and 30 yards, and um, so been meeting some guys over there having fun. And I, I don't know if you've ever done an indoor shoot before or a 3D shoot, but you kind of got to get your mind right. You got to kind of be in the zone, especially indoors. There's a lot of guys in there. Sometimes there's silence or guys shooting right next to you. You're kind of like right next to a person shooting. And um, so last night I was in the zone. Like I was focused. I was thinking about the yardage. I was thinking about breathing and letting, just making sure I take my time and not punch the trigger, making sure I follow through. And I was getting tens and elevens and just feeling really good about it until I came to the groundhog. I'm about to beat my personal record. And then I come to this little tiny groundhog and I misjudged the distance and I shot right underneath that booger and he was sitting on top of a log. I actually lifted him up off the log. I shot that close to him and my arrow stuck in the back wall, giving me a, a wonderful zero. Um, that's kind of hard to recover from. So, uh, but, but it's just been a lot of fun meeting some guys and, and killing the time and still, you know, uh, trying to make sure I'm doing well with my bow hunting and uh, getting ready for Colorado elk hunt come September. And so all of that kind of helps and goes hand in hand. So, uh, anyway, uh, we're going to go ahead and get started with our interview today with our podcast guest. Uh, his name is Joel White. Joel's going to talk turkeys with us. And even if you aren't a turkey hunter, once again, first off, i got to ask you why. Like, I mean, it is, if you've never done it before, it is a blast. You need to go with somebody that's done it and let them show you the ropes and just go out there one time. Unless you're trying to save money and you don't want to, you know, uh, take more time away from your family. Because uh, <laughs> it is addicting. It most certainly is an addicting thing. Uh, Joel's going to talk about how he got into turkey hunting growing up. Some crazy stories there. Uh, a real funny story with his son. Uh, whenever his son was 12, him going after a bird across a field and um, public land hunting, reaping. We talk about everything today, and Joel does a great job just sharing those stories, and we can kind of learn from him and, and laugh along the way. So hope that you enjoy this podcast. If you do, go ahead and give her a rating and uh, hopefully a good one and um, uh, share it and all that fun stuff. There, There's the end of my plug. It was about three seconds. I hope I, hope I didn't turn you off. Anyway, here we go. Here's Joel with uh, uh, his stories on turkey hunting. All right, guys, I am here with Joel White. Uh, Joel grew up in Kansas City, Missouri, and uh, now lives in Baltimore. He was in the Navy for a while and uh, was a general contractor for 15 years, and now works in lighting sales. And so I want to say, Joel, welcome to the show. Hey, how you doing, Travis? Ah, doing good today. It's uh, It's been a little uh, little rainy, but it's been sunny today, so I'll take it. How about you guys? Uh, yeah, we're, we're coming out of some snow and some decent weather now, and 
it's almost turkey time, so I will take it. <laughs> yeah, you can kind of you can kind of tell my buddy today was driving the back roads, and he sent me a video of like four or five toms and and strut and a bunch of hens, and so it's definitely that time of year it gets exciting. Yeah, I I live. I live in the Baltimore metro, so I don't get to drive around and see turkeys anywhere close to where I'm at. I have to, <laughs> I have to travel a little bit to do it, so so I'm yeah. jealous. So so tell us a little bit about that. Um, so you live in Baltimore, but you got to go. Out, how far out do you have to go in order to get to to where you're hunting at? Um, we have a cabin out in Western Maryland, so we head out to the mountains, and that that's my Maryland turkey hunting is out there. I mean, I could call turkeys closer than that. To, there's a couple public watersheds around here, but mm-hmm. it's bow only. And it's just, I don't know, it, it's, it's not as much fun. I'd rather, I'd rather go stretch my legs and chase them a little bit instead of ending up in somebody's backyard. Right. Right. Yeah. That'd be a unique situation there. Cause a lot of guys, they'll do their scouting. Uh, but for you, it's kind of, I mean, they're scouting to be done, but it's going to be a little bit trickier in that situation, I would say. Yeah. I'd say my scouting, I, I know a lot of guys are heavy on Turkey scouting and I, I'm not, I'm, I'm the opposite. I try to just go for where I've seen turkeys in the past and scout while I'm hunting. And so sometimes my first morning or two is, you know, may not be the most productive, but I can usually catch up by the next couple of days, see what's, what's going where, where they want to head to and, and figure it out from there. Yeah. Well, that's, that's good. Um, let's, let's back up a little bit. Uh, tell us a little bit, uh, how you got into turkey hunting, how you were introduced to it and, um, just kind of give us a little introduction there. Yeah, I, I like you mentioned, I grew up in Kansas City, Missouri, and my um my granddad and my and my dad turkey hunted. I'm gonna say from the mid seventies. Uh, I was born in seventy five, and I couldn't go until I was. They said I had to be able to run a turkey call before I could go, and so I picked up pretty quick on an old Lynch's one on one box call, and I was pretty mm. decent at that, and didn't take very long. So they both said, well, we can both do that. You need to be able to run a diaphragm call before you can go. <laughs> and, and I think they were just trying to keep me from going in the woods because I was probably wiggling around too much. And so they were trying to buy me out and get some time, you know, try to get me till probably 12 or 13. And, <laughs> that, and I, used smart. To sit, I used to sit in my closet uh, and underneath a, a sleeping bag and practice that mouth call because it made too much noise. And so that's where I was resigned to. So they basically locked me in a closet to teach me how to turkey call. And it worked pretty good. I learned over over the – they came back one spring and kind of gave me that, you know, that challenge, that little bit of a gauntlet there. And by the next spring, I mean, I, I, was, I was ready to rock and roll. I'm not going to say I was a great turkey caller, but I was I was better than both of them. So that that was the qualifier. So as long as I was better than both of them, I was okay. It sounds like they were trying to raise you up to be like their guide or their caller or something. <laughs> that's that's pretty much how it worked out. So that was good. It worked out fun. I've called in an awful lot of turkeys that I didn't shoot myself, and that's been you get a lot of experience that way. That's great. Well, take us take us on a few of those first few hunts. Uh, how did you get your first turkey? How did all that play out? Um, my first turkey. I, I think we uh, alluded a little bit to it earlier on before you start recording, but. My first turkey was a pretty pretty easy. It was a it was a roost setup. It was in northern Missouri, and we we set up on an, an oak ridge and basically called a turkey off the roost. And it was two two year old toms, and they just basically raced each other back and forth to the end of the gun barrel. And I, I was just sitting there with my grandfather and shot a turkey right in the face, and that was the end of it. It was like one of those five minute hunts. Like it was 
I don't want to say it was anticlimactic because if you sit in the turkey woods and they gobble and then fly off the roost and come to you, I mean, it's it, it's a charge. There's really not much bigger thrill than that. But that's not, you know, the, those hunts are a little less memorable maybe than the ones you really got to really got to work for. Um, yeah. So I, I had a lot of those early on where we, we were in northern Missouri. There was not a ton of turkey hunters at the time. This would have been, say, I don't know, 1984, 85, you know, it was before a lot of uh, outdoor television where, you know, those back in the days, probably early DVD days, maybe, you know, so there wasn't a whole lot of that stuff going on where it was super exciting and people were crawling the woods like you were out there by yourself. And if you heard a bird, you'd go after it. And so we did a lot of that. We, We had a lot of fun. Oh, cool. So what, so in those first few years, what, what were you learning the most? Like what was the biggest challenge that you kind of had to overcome and, and how did you uh, get better as a, as a turkey hunter? Oh, set up my, my, uh, my grandfather was, he was pretty big on trying to figure out decoys. And when we first started, we didn't, nobody had any decoys. So it was just, you just call them in that they'd, they'd come in looking. And I think we called too much. And so mm-hmm. you'd, you'd get them fired up and they would hang up and so that that first i'm gonna say i don't know between the time i would say maybe nine and 15 it was just you got so excited by hearing them gobble and you you thought all right if they call i'm gonna call and you end up getting them so fired up that they're just basically you're working against nature they want the hen to come to them and you're not moving and so they eventually hang up and try to force your hand a little bit and it made for, it made for some tough hunts just because we were we were learning trying to figure out what we were doing because my grandfather at that time and my dad they were both fairly new turkey hunters also so I mean if it didn't happen right off the roost or really late in the you know like midday like eleven o'clock right before the cutoff I think you had to stop hunting at in Missouri at it was either twelve or one o'clock yeah. so there was plenty of late morning hunts where you'd strike up a bird maybe ten thirty and you're watching the clock, you know, all the way trying to make sure that you were getting it done before shooting time. So we had a bunch of those, but we, we definitely learned a little bit about, you know, decoy setup and trying to get stuff in the sun versus in the shade. Uh, old decoys were real sketchy looking versus new decoys. <laughs> you know, those, those old foam things that folded in half, there were some hard plastic ones. They really yeah. looked pretty awful compared to some of the stuff we got I, now. You know, I don't know. Have they you seen? Like the, have turkey. you seen? Have you seen the the funky chicken decoy? That one still looks kind of weird to me. I, although I've seen it work. I, my buddy killed a Jake uh, using one of those, but that my, thing is just that's a weird looking yeah. decoy. My dad thinks that thing is awesome. He he loves that decoy. Every, every time we talk about that, he loves it. But we've we've done some other stuff trying. Like we've done some like reaping stuff. I got one of those turkey fan uh, things you can kind of hide behind a little bit and when you're the only thing I'll say about that is don't do that on public land. Um, (laughs) but private land where, you know, you're the only person around you're out in the middle of the field. I think that stuff's pretty fun. It's different. Um, when when did you first start? You know, I noticed I, I got onto that maybe like four or five years ago, started seeing videos on YouTube and it may have been a thing before then, but when did you start, when was your first time trying to to reap a turkey? Is that early days or recently? Yeah, this is this is recently. This is okay. within the last few years. I think I saw I think I saw Michael Waddell doing it with a turkey fan crawling out into a field messing around with it. Mm-hmm. And then and then I started looking into it and figured out that there was other guys already doing it on YouTube. And and so I didn't have 
I didn't have one of the, I didn't have anything to do it with. So I, I had this, uh, blow up, um, I had a blow up gobbler decoy, just an inflatable. Like it was just almost like a beach ball. And, <laughs> and, and we were in this one spot and I was like, I got this idea. We were on a little bit of a bench out in an open field and we ended up getting a couple turkeys to come in awful close, almost in gun range before they figured out the jig was up. Cause we, we just didn't quite have the right setup, and that, that's when we decided, hey, maybe let's change this up a little bit. I got a, one of those turkey fans, and we've, we've had some fun with that. It's, it's been cool. I won't say it's the only thing I use because it's probably pretty sparingly. How about this? I use it about as much as I use a gobbler call. It's kind of a last yeah. resort kind of thing. I'd rather I'd rather set up nice and beat them at their own game you know, than, than do that all the time. I mean, it's probably exciting, but it's not my go-to. Yeah, and I think, like you said, it's it's one of those things where even if you're on private ground, you got to make you better know for sure that you don't have anybody crossing lines, and oh, wow. you got to be secure on your own property. Definitely wouldn't I would never try it on public public ground, but I think you know it's definitely I don't know. You see it on YouTube; it's a popular thing. And last year was my first year actually having it be successful. Now I we had three toms come in. Um, I, I missed my tom, but the boy I was with, he got his, so it worked out, and it was exciting. That was the first time I'd ever. It, I mean, there is nothing like those birds coming straight at you at a full sprint. Uh, but yeah. I'm I'm with you. I think I'd rather that that's a fun thing to do here and there. But I think to have them come down to your set and you you really have worked it. Uh, you know, you work them with the calls. I think that's even more exciting. Yeah, I've I've had it be successful not trying to reap them all the way in from long open distances, but maybe maybe they're far enough away and they can they can they can see a little ways, but they might mm-hmm. be hung up. Sometimes you can take that fan and just kind of like flash it at them and just kind of flop it open next mm-hmm. to you and just, almost like it's laying down flat and then you just kind of like puff it up once or twice and then put it away and don't mess with it again. And sometimes that'll make them break and come towards you and you can just shut up and make them come look for you. That's yeah, that that's a little something to add in there too. That's maybe not you know hiding behind a fan and crawling out in the middle of a field, but it's something that sometimes might you know change their mind if they're on the fence and wanting you to come to them. Yeah, that's that's a perfect. That's exactly how it worked out. We were down in the woods, and these these birds were up over on this other side of the hill, and we we're trying to get them to cross. They didn't want to cross the ravine, and I noticed that they were just basically following the wood line uh, along the the edge of a field. So I. The boy was down in front of me. I said, come up here real quick. And I just threw together the, the, the Tom decoy, and we kind of went up the backside of this hill. And whenever we crested just the top of the field, they saw they saw the fan, and the, the rest was history. So I think that's great yeah. advice. You know, you can use it sometimes as like that last-minute uh, tactic to get it done. Yeah, sometimes. I mean, it's just almost it's a decoy. You're just throwing it up there to give them a little visual confirmation that, hey, what we heard is what we think we heard. Here we come, and you don't need it anymore. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Joey, you've been, uh, you've been turkey hunting for a long time, killed a lot of birds. What are some of the more, um, memorable hunts that you've had? What are some things that, that stand out to you? Um, I have a, I have a good one from my son's 18 now. He would have been about 12 or 13. So about five years ago, we were hunting in, um, South central Missouri down, uh, down around Lake of the Ozark. And we, we've been there all week long. Um, we were in birds all week, but they were, they were all bachelored up. There was, uh, like you'd have, you'd have three or four gobblers running together with maybe two or three jakes and just big piles of, you know, turkeys that made it a whole lot of fun to listen to. And it was absolutely terrible to try to get them to do anything. Like they just wanted to run and either meet up in the middle of a field or fight somewhere. 
and you couldn't they'd respond to hen calls um they would shock gobble but they were really hard to work they they didn't want to they didn't like a decoy spread um they didn't really care about any of that we tried some different stuff to pull them around and just we had some really close calls but nothing ever nothing ever panned out all week and so my son and I had flown out from Baltimore and we were out there with my with my dad hunting all week and it was the last day of the hunt we're getting ready to we need to be packing up and drive back so that we can fly out that night and this turkey's gobbling over in this top side of this hay field where we had heard gobblers kind of group up mid to late day and that was kind of going to be our plan is on the way out it was between us and the truck we were going to try to swing by there There there's a little cedar thicket and we thought maybe we could set up out there see what happens and we're up on an oak ridge you know just listening you can really hear everywhere around there it's kind of down in a bowl and this gobbler's just sounding off just gobbling it on his own he would i mean you could have made any call no matter how terrible it sounds and he would gobble back because he was just he was just trying to gobble to attract those other turkeys so they could group up, I think, is what the plan was. And so my son says, he goes, why don't we just go crawl through that cedar thicket and just see how close we can get to him and shoot him? And, you know, you're you're thinking, <laughs> you're thinking, I've done a lot of things in my time, but crawling and sneaking up on a turkey in an open field, I've never found that to be successful. No. Ever. <laughs> and so, and so he you know, we kind of tell him, yeah, that's not going to work. And he, he looks back at both of us, you know, via, via 13. He goes, well, he goes, we've been doing your plans all week long. And you see where that's gone. Us. He goes, oh. try my plan. You know, just kind of calls us out. My, my dad cracked up and he goes, let's go. And so we, we went down and we, we got, he still kept gobbling. We didn't really do anything else. We didn't try to call at him or change what he was doing. He was just kind of pacing back forth on a little inside corner on a hayfield and and you know the the south corner of this thing was a was a cedar thicket and then it kind of fed up through some thick kind of buck brush going up up to a almost like an oak flat up on top and so we we made our way down to where where he was at and got got within about 100 yards and there was a tiny little uh a little berm that was between us and him and I could see him through binoculars and he was just kind of pacing back and forth, gobbling and strutting and, but he was by himself and he's a pretty decent sized bird. And I said, I think we might be able to do this. There's just enough ter- terrain between us and him. If you lay down, I'm sending you ahead of me and let's just both keep crawling. So we crawled and we crawled and we crawled. I mean, you know how that goes. I mean, he's gobbling and you feel like you got to go fast, but at the same time, you know, turkeys aren't going to give you a whole lot of, getting too close something crawling through the brush at him and and so we got within about uh 25 yards or so and every once in a while if if i just barely get my head up above this little this little rise i could see his head he's still just working back and forth and working back and forth and like and and my son's you know three or four yards ahead of me and he's he's still staying real low and guns flat on the ground and we're just kind of crawling at him and finally, I say, we're, we get up to where we're kind of right at this little rise, and we're within 20 yards, and and there's two little gaps that he can kind of shoot through. And I said, hey, and so we're just both whispering to one another, laid down against this, you know, against this little berm is probably two foot tall, just enough to keep us, you know, concealed. And, and I'm whispering, I said, so here's the deal. I said, this is going to go kind of 
super quick. I said, and as soon as we ease up over this, this isn't going to be like deer hunting where you have a whole lot of time to, you know, get settled in. I said, you're going to have to come up, you know, on top of this thing and shoulder, shoulder the gun and just kind of plan for it. And, and just, you know, get a real good sight picture and squeeze. And so, so he takes, and it's a, it's a 20 gauge, it's a 20 gauge shooting, uh, single shot, uh, encore shooting TSS. And it's, you can really reach out with that little gun. It'll shoot, mm-hmm. you know, 55 yards easy. And I thought, well, this is going to be pretty tight. You're basically shooting a bullet as close as we are to him. I said, so you need to be right on him. I was like, just, you know, the drill base of the neck and, and squeeze. And so he gets up there. He gets up there and we take it. I don't have a gun. I got, I got nothing. I'm just crawling behind him and watching. And so we just start to ease over and the turkey is, we were trying to ease up at the time where the turkey would have his tail feathers to us as he was turning, you know, turning and gobbling and strutting a little bit. And as he came up, that bird picked up movement almost instantly. And my son looks at me and and the turkey just you know that the deal where they're periscoped up and they putt one time and you you know the jigs up oh yeah and yeah and i heard that i was like oh my heart sank i was like man this, this little guy he was he was about to get it done and he looks at me and he goes and he just he just shoves the gun in my chest you know still muzzle pointed down range he goes he goes quick run out there and see if you can shoot him and this turkey's on a you know dead run from dead run from us you know getting away quick and it just worked out good we squeezed off on him and rolled him and and my um we actually had to go and you know finish him off because it was a pretty long shot we had to go and finish him off but he was more excited that turkey hunt like it didn't matter who pulled the trigger that was his turkey he was so excited (laughs) that it was his plan and it wouldn't happen unless he came up with the plan and we followed through. He goes, you got, you guys just executed the game plan. That's all. He goes, <laughs> he goes, somebody had to come up with it and crawl through here. He goes, that was me. So he took all the credit for it. And we let him have it. And that was, that's probably one of my favorite pictures. Him and I walking across this hay field. He's got turkey slung over his shoulder and he is like, I got my arm around him and we're, yeah, the picture's from the back. I'll have to send it to you. But yeah. It's, it's man. That's one of my best memories turkey on with him. And he's, he's hit or miss. He, he does not really care about deer hunting. He likes camp. He likes to eat. He likes piddling around on a four wheeler and hunting is just part of camping and eating. That's, that's necessary to do all that stuff. So it, it's yeah. funny. And, and so it, it's a good way to keep, you know, young guys and girls, my daughter's 15. She loves it too. They, they like to do it cause it's not as hardcore. It's usually fairly warm. It's only until lunchtime if you take a nap it's not over with it's it's pretty it's pretty uh, laid back they they like it that's you know that's something we haven't talked a lot about on here you have taking kids out and getting them into the woods and i mean and i i so terrible experience one time i had a kid that wanted to go hunting it was toward the end of season so i was like all right i'll take you out well i took him out and it was like super cold it was like 10 degrees snow on the ground and i put him up in this ladder stand i was like this is not the way you want your first hunt didn't see a deer and so you know i think spring turkey hunting there's something about that where you can get them out into that they hear the gobbles they get excited and then him coming up with that plan that's that's just awesome (laughs) yeah it's one of those like like as as many fun turkey hunts as i've been on that one really stands out like i've had some fun ones with my grandpa that were probably similar to that and but that one really stands out because it was his deal and, and nothing had worked out for us. And here we are, you know, the final hour of a turkey hunt. We're having to hurry up and, you know, 
get get this bird checked in and get it cut up and give it to the landowner and you know it was it was fun oh, that's awesome man that's great well you have any others for us you got uh you mentioned something about uh public land hunting this this past year and had some challenges with that yeah we um so this would be a good a good piggyback off of that story that that one that i just told you we had a private farm that we had hunted um my grandpa actually he he passed away about seven or eight years ago and we only were able to hunt that farm a couple years after he passed the the landowner um they just they got older one of the husband passed away and it just kind of the grandkids didn't have the same relationship with us that you know my grandpa had with the people that owned it so so we lost that family farm that we had hunted on you know for i don't know 10 12 years and my my dad was kind of down in the dumps so what we did is we uh we took um it would have been a year ago this past christmas when we were out there um it was about five degrees and my daughter says we need to uh we need to find a good turkey spot for when i come out this year and i'm like you're nuts it's five degrees i'm not going knocking on doors when it's this cold out and so uh, what i what i did was I thought, well, maybe if we just make it a, a small deal, it'll be nothing else. Me and my dad and my daughter can go hang out, riding around a little bit. And if we knock on two or three doors and check the box, we're in good shape. And and I, I, used, uh, I used my Onyx maps and looked up some property landowner information. And we just kind of, we, we picked a place that was, that was 45 minutes to an hour from my dad's house in Missouri. And so that put us north of Kansas City, you know, like up in the like St. Joe area, a little south of St. Joe. And we just targeted like 12 places and said, we're going to drive around. We're going to find some place. We'll see what happens. First place we come to this this guy. First of all, he, you know, it's it's literally five degrees and wind blowing. He's like, you guys got to come inside. You guys are nuts. And we tell him what we're doing. And. And my daughter's all smiling, saying that we're trying to find a turkey spot. And he says, well, he goes, he goes, I just so happen to have about 600 acres here. And you can do, I mean, just green lights us right out of the gate for permission. And, wow. and I'm looking at her and I'm looking at my dad. I'm like, this does not happen. And <laughs> and so so my dad, you know, he, he tells us to come back and visit with him. And my dad visits with him before the season, before we get ready to fly back out for spring and gets everything dialed in. And we could call turkeys in on that place and we, we just could not, it was, it was really small. It was a tough layout. It wasn't that there wasn't turkeys there, but it was just it was a really tough spot to be. They wanted to fly across and settle down in spots where we didn't have any permission. And mm-hmm. so two or three turkeys roosted on his place and they'd sail off where you can't hunt them at. And then that was your hunt. Cause I mean, it's wide open, it was wide open crop country, not a lot of big hardwoods. And so, we did about two days of that. And I finally looked at my dad. I said, Hey, I said, I got about, you know, four days left here. I said, we got to get on some birds that we can actually, we don't have the same scenario for all week long and look back at it and say, we didn't change tactics. So, um, I pulled up a map and found some public ground, uh, up around St. Joe. And we had been out there the year before with my daughter and tried it and called some birds, but didn't have a lot of success. And, we went out there this year and just, man, we had a blast. We were in, we were in birds every day. They, they weren't, they weren't quite cooperating a little bit just based on season. It was kind of like that scenario I described earlier where the gobblers were all kind of grouped up together. Mm-hmm. But, but we, what we did was the, it would have been the third day up there on public land. I still had a day left. 
and uh, my brother-in-law was sitting with me, and we were trying to get him his first turkey, and we set up on uh, – same deal again, set up on the inside corner um, with some thick stuff behind us, but we were on top of a little bench, and and you had these two different uh, these two different hay fields. One was private up above us that we couldn't get to, and one was public right out in front of us, and we had turkeys gobbling up on the private side, and I said, let's just sit here, and it seems like when we call – they're gobbling, but they're just gobbling because they're turkeys. They're not gobbling because they're headed our way. So why don't we just, every once in a while, we'll just put the decoys out. Let's just call soft, and let's see if they just end up coming by us and, and see what happens. And so they ended up, they went away from us, and we thought it was over. And my brother-in-law's kind of looking at me. And, and I see movement over um, about 200, 250 yards over on, on a ridge, and it looked like they had slipped off of that, off of that private uh, upper hay field. And they were working a ridge kind of parallel to us. And it was just a big, you know, big oak, oak ridge and with a big deep draw in between the two of us. And I thought, well, this might work out okay if they decide they want to commit and come down to this draw and pop up over here. It was really torn up with sign over where we were at. We had been down to the bottom and, you know, not getting a whole lot of reaction where we were at all morning. We had some fun off the roofs, but then we could never get anything after, you know, after they'd fly down. They'd just go mm -hmm. where they were going. And we didn't have enough experience out there to know exactly where they wanted to be. So this one just worked out that we just got in a good spot that was torn up enough with sign and sat there. And they just, uh, they ended up, all I did was um, the, the gobbler was fanned up over on the other side and I could see him through binoculars and there were three jakes with him and no hens. And, and so they, they wouldn't do a whole lot with, when I made like real soft hen calls and yelps, he would almost courtesy gobble, but he was not fired up. Like he just kind of, he, he was displaying, I think more so just kind of showing dominance with those other Jakes that he was sitting there with, but they weren't really, it wasn't like it was a hot setup and they, they were racing to us. And, and so I just took, and I keep scratching around in the leaves with my hand and with a stick and they couldn't, they couldn't quite see where we were at. I mean, I guess they, they probably could have if we would have been skyline, but we were tucked away in the brush good enough and our decoys were out, you know, in, in the field. They were going to have to go from where they're at. They're going to have to come past us to get to the decoys. Now, we were set up facing the field and they were probably going to come behind us. So I thought that might be a little problematic because usually you get picked off pretty easy that way. Mm -hmm. And so I got my brother-in-law and we both kind of turned 45 to the left a little bit, you know, so our decoys are 90 degrees to our right. And then we're kind of covering the end of the field in the woods a little bit where they're, you know, we're almost facing them a little bit better. And I finally, I, um, I did a little bit of a Jake yelp and, and followed it up with a gobbler yelp and just kind of a real raspy drawn out. I just used an, I have a real raspy hen call and sometimes I'll change it up and just really slow the cadence down and do a gobbler yelp sometimes if nothing else is happening. The second I did that, he gobbled hard one time and all of a sudden I could see those three Jake's took off like beeline coming at us. And I thought, well, man, this might work in our favor. And I, I, I still don't know. Like I, I'd love to tell you how awesome of a caller I am. And I know how that scenario <laughs> played out, but that's not the case. They, they came racing over and those three Jakes cut to the left of us and stayed. I could just see their heads go by at about 25 yards. And I could tell that there was just a slight little depression where they went through. And I thought if that gobbler, if I see him pop the hill, and I can get him to, like, they were, you know how when a turkey comes through kind of quick, they're kind of like, their body's almost at like a 45-degree angle. Mm -hmm. But then sometimes you can get them to pop their head up, and they almost gain like an extra foot, you know, that periscope where they come up, and they oh, really yeah. get tall when they're looking. So I thought my, my game plan was to get them all the way over there, 
and I was going to just try to like scratch the leaves and just putt one time and see if I could get him to put his head up when he got close. And, and what happened was those three Jakes came over and they got, they got awful close to my brother-in-law and, and I thought, Oh man, he's not facing the right way. He's going to be kind of silhouetted towards the field and, and they're going to start getting goofy. Well, I hear them start to come up almost right behind him, but I can hear the gobbler coming up and he's not to us yet. And, and they take, and, uh, I hear one of them putt one time. And so I thought, well, this is about to be over. That gobbler is going to fold up. They're all going to walk down this, you know, this ditch and either go back the way they came or just walk away from us. But I guess he, he didn't quite know exactly what was going on yet. Cause I scratched in the leaves one time at the top and just, instead of putting, I just purred one time and, I thought he was just going to stick his head up. And instead he took one step up. There was a little bit of a, like a rock outcropping. He just took one step up, just stood there, looked around and he, t- he, he saw all he needed to see. And as he turned around to walk away, I just put it right on his neck and squeezed and rolled him. And, <laughs> and, and that was no hen calls whatsoever were made to call that gobbler in, but we called him in with, you know, gobbler calls and, and it worked great. So it, that was uh, a lot of fun, man. We had to work yeah. for it. That's a, I think that's the beauty of turkey hunting is that it's, it's never, you know, with deer hunting, it's never the same either, but a lot of times deer hunting, it's, it's kind of set up in a stand or whatever you're in a saddle and they come by and you shoot, you know, with turkeys, it's just, there's so many different ways that it can happen and go down. That's what, I think that's what draws me to it every single year is just the excitement. You never know how a hunt will go with turkeys. Yeah, I'm with you. You mentioned saddle just a second ago. That's something I'm going to add. Um, this spring that I never have before is I just got into saddle hunting and hadn't thought, thought anything of it for Turkey applications because I had a, I had a Kestrel and not, not that I wouldn't, not that I wouldn't Turkey hunt out of a Kestrel, but I picked up a, um, a JX three hybrid last year and sat in that. And the first thing I did when I climbed up to deer hunt out of it, I thought, man, this would be just absolutely wicked for turkeys because you're, you're in a chair like, you know, you're in a really nice chair with a tree in front of you. I was like, if you could find a half decent tree to get in front of you and break up your cover just a little bit and then come, you know, kind of, kind of kick over to one side and, and roll out ready to go with the gun and have decoys in front of you and a tree in front of you. I was like, man, that'd be a sweet setup. I don't know if I'll do it all the time, but I'm definitely going to try it. Yeah, that'd be a unique way to go. I mean, we had a guy on two, uh, two episodes ago that talked a little bit about he's more on the ground whenever he does it, but I think there could definitely be an application where the, the saddle would work. So I, uh, I'm going to try and do it traditionally this year the first way, and then I might get the saddle out for the second bird because last year I got skunked, and so I, I definitely want to make sure I get it. I don't want to mess around on that first bird. <laughs> you don't want to get cute and not get on the board. No, the same with like a bow. I want to kill one with a bow, but I – if it works out opening weekend that I smoke one with a gun, then I'll then I'll consider bow, saddle, or you know using a knife or something. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get, re- get real primitive. Oh, that's you know, awesome. I'll, I'll, I'm with you. Well, Joel, what's uh, just in closing? What's what's your favorite part about uh, turkey hunting? What what is it that has you kind of ate up with it? Um, it's probably the same thing that got me so fired up for it when I was when I was young it, to go out in the morning, I I still, I still get so tore up with adrenaline when I hear that first turkey gobble off the roost the first time in the season. uh, I mean, I mean, it's like buck fever bad. Like I get ate up. Like when I hear that first gobble, I just, I don't know. It's something inside you. It makes you, it makes you just so happy that you can be outside enjoying God's creation. And, and it's like, there's no other way that you can, 
deny creation when you're sitting out there in the turkey woods and you hear that for the first time. It, it's mm-hmm. just awesome. It's it's cool. Yeah, I think there's something about that. You get out there and I don't know. I so growing up, like I said, I only I just deer hunted, and so my first time six years ago in the spring woods. I got out there and those turkeys are going off. I didn't, I mean, I'd, I'd heard a turkey gobble, but I don't think I'd ever heard it like that before. And it's just, I don't, like you said, it's, it's definitely, uh, I don't know. You kind of connect a little bit more to creation, you know, a little bit more about the woods and you, yeah. I don't know, turkey hunting teaches you a lot of different things that maybe you wouldn't learn, say just deer hunting or elk hunting or whatever. It's, it's very specific uh, to those birds. And I, and I think it's neat too. Yeah. I think it's neat too, how God wired them. You know, we're trying to, like you said, reverse the process, you know, using a hen call to call a Tom to us whenever in nature, the Tom is calling the hens all to him. And so trying to go against nature, <laughs> I don't know. There's, there's probably some lessons to be learned there too. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm with you. And especially the fact that you had, a, you had a guest, uh, a few episodes ago that mentioned that you're speaking their language. Yeah. And, and, and I, that really, that really struck a chord with me. I thought that's exactly it. I think that's what's got me so ate up with Turkey hunting. You can, you can go out there early one morning on a spring morning Dogwoods in bloom, whippoorwills going, turkeys firing off a limb, and then you're able to do something and communicate with them in their language that's in a sufficient enough manner that you can get them at the end of a gun barrel. That's yeah. that's pretty crazy. Yeah, it's oh man, I I I just can't wait. Like I'm I'm gonna enjoy the next couple of months, you know, but I can't wait for turkey season. I, this just gets me fired up for it, man. <laughs> yeah, I I got a I got a handful of people already lined up this year that have not gotten their first turkey. So I don't, I do not care if I shoot a turkey this year. I'm going to try to see if I can get a couple people, their first birds and um, try to get uh, both of my kids on a bird. So it'll be, I got my, I got my work cut out for me this year. Yeah. That's awesome. I, man, last year I did that and I've only been at this for like, you know, six years. So I'm still kind of wanting to learn it myself. I've killed some birds, but a lot of it's been like out in an open field and they just kind of came to you perfectly. So I I think uh, this year, my first bird, once again, my first bird, I'm going to be a little selfish, get my first bird, and then I'll worry about taking everybody else out. I don't know. Is that selfish? I don't know. (laughs) No, not at all. (laughs) Especially if you said you've been doing it for six years, there's, there's something to be said for, you got to build up that, uh, that wealth of experience and watching it go sideways and know what you did wrong so that, so that you can try not to pass on uh, bad mistakes to somebody else. Exactly. You know, all of a sudden they say, Hey, here's all all you got to do. And then they're not very good at it for a while. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to teach them. So I've, I've had pretty good success taking people out, but I think I've gotten lucky more than, than skill is, is, uh, uh, the thing. So, (laughs) yeah, I, I told you that in the beginning, I've, I've shot an awful lot of turkeys that came down to the perfect setup first thing off the limb in the morning. And I don't know, there's, there's an awful lot of, uh, luck and not much skill. You're just taking a bird that already wants to do that. And he just ends up in front of you. It doesn't take a whole lot. It's the ones that you gotta, you gotta work for and they're crafty and they've been after it for a while and they know the deal. Those ones are fun, man. Yeah, absolutely. I'll take either one. So either way they come. It's still turkey. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Joel, thanks so much for coming on and, and sharing those stories. I really enjoy those. I especially love the story of your, your son telling you the plan and, and going with that. That was good. That's yeah, yeah, it's his bird. I'll send you a picture. Just ask him. <laughs> absolutely. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast. I'm sure you've got some more stories, so I might have you back on sometime to tell some more of those. And I, I hope you have a, a good turkey season coming up here. Sounds good. You too. Thanks, Trevor. All right. Thanks. 
you know, I had a big smile on my face most of that podcast. I just, you know, that's the beauty of talking about hunting. It just uh, puts you out in the woods. It just makes you live those moments as if you were there with somebody. And so I uh, appreciate Joel coming on and just telling some of those great stories. You know, the thing about hunting is sometimes we can get so wrapped up in the, the success rate and um, social media like I've talked about before, and we just forget that, like Joel and I talked about at the end, you know, the woods will teach us something. It'll teach us something about the creator that made it and um, being out there in the mountains or being by the, the water, whatever your uh, your cup of tea is, you know, it's it's just good to be out there and learn about God through creation. He wanted you to know about him. Um, you know, this this week has been kind of a sad week in, in the hunting uh, world. You guys, uh, I'm sure you've heard by now of uh, Todd Pringett's passing away. Um, Todd was uh, a part of White Knuckle Productions. And, and I just look at that guy, and if you've watched any of his videos, here's a guy that just, man, he loved to hunt. And he was just an authentic dude, just loved to get out there. Uh, you'll never forget that clip of him finding that giant buck and him just losing his mind, being emotional, and, and um you know, it's just the real deal. And, and I, I hurt for him and I hurt for his wife and his family. And, um, but at the same time, his wife wrote that, um, Todd is now enjoying heaven. Uh, he's with Jesus and he's in a good spot. And, and that brought me a lot of joy, um, to know that about, about Todd and to know, you know, that his wife, uh, has that comfort. Um, you know, I, I just, I'm not gonna make this all sad or anything like that. It is a sad thing, but at the same time, you know, death is, doesn't have to be a, uh, a bad thing. It doesn't have to be the end. Um, and so I just got to ask you the question without being too preachy. Uh, I just hope you hear me ask this question from my heart. Are you ready to go? Um, you know, at any moment in life, you just never know when that moment's going to come. Uh, you don't know when you, you take your last breath. And so you want to be ready for what happens after that last breath. And uh, the Bible tells us how we can be ready. And I'd, I'd be more than happy to, to tell you what I think and what I think the Bible says. There's a lot of guys that can make up a lot of stuff. Preachers and pastors and popes can make up anything that they want to make up. Um, I try and go off of what, what does the Bible say and what can we learn from that. And if you have questions, uh, send me an email, sheddinglightod at gmail.com. Do that. I'll be more than happy to give you my cell, and we can get on the phone and chat and talk about those things that matter most. Um, I love talking to guys about hunting, but uh, more than that, I love talking about faith and talking about stuff that's real and talking about what happens when it's all said and done. So thanks for you to think about, and I would definitely encourage you uh, to, to consider and uh, definitely want to send our sympathy to Todd and uh, to his family. And, um, and I don't know him personally or his family, but I just know the, the struggle that that is. And um, I want to thank you guys once again for listening today. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, we're going to do a couple more podcasts on turkey hunting to kind of get you excited for that. And then we'll swi- switch gears again and we'll, we'll hit a different topic here in a couple of weeks. So thanks for listening. And remember, as always, shed the light.